Welcome to Fiat Lex, a dictionary podcast by people who write dictionaries. I'm Corey Stamper. I'm Steve Kleinedler. And today we're going to talk about pronunciations. But first, how have you been? I've been quite well. Um, I've, I've enjoyed the attention the first couple episodes have seen. Yeah, thank you guys for... Yeah, thank you for all the kind words. Yeah, we appreciate it. We really do. And we read all the tweets. We do. We only laugh at some of them. <laughs> We're very nice about it, actually, because most of the people who listen are really intelligent folks and remarkably good looking. So thank you for your uh, tweets and your retweets. Um, Corey, I discovered a new place that serves charcuterie for um, happy hour. So you have to come back over the river. Oh, yeah. So inexpensive for where it is. And um, all of the meats and cheeses were from the Basque region in Catalonia and northern Spain. So good. That's good. Steve and I have this thing where we get together for happy hour and just look for places to eat meat. And cheese. And cheese. And drink. That's about it. Yep. That's all there is in life. Charcuterie. Yum. Mm -hmm. So today's topic is actually... Speaking of Twitter followers, these are sort of based on questions that two of our Twitter followers asked us about pronunciations. Thank you, Twitter followers. Yeah, it's so nice when you actually interact with us. We don't know how to respond to that because we're lexicographers, but it's fun nonetheless. So, So let's talk about what is pronunciation. Why do dictionaries include it? And uh, one of the first questions we got was that lots of people go to the dictionary to figure out what the correct pronunciation of the word is, which begs the question, how do pronunciations get into the dictionary and what do those represent? And uh, are we going to give a shout out to the person who asked that question? Oh, yes, we sure should. That is from Ryan Mannion. I probably mispronounced your name because that's what I do. I mispronounce words. But thanks, Ryan, for asking that question. Ryan wants to know how lexicographers decide which pronunciations to include in their dictionaries. I have to stop using whimsy as my catch-all answer for all of these kinds of <laughs> questions because it's only it's only sometimes the case. Uh, it honestly, like so many things, depends on the kind of word. Um, who's using it? Huh. Uh, I, I always go back to chemical elements. If um, you are uh, uh, inventing a word or coining a word, um, you kind of get to choose. But sometimes uh, I, I'm going to contradict that. Uh, if you look at the GIF uh, oh. debacle, uh, <laughs> just because the person who coined it says it one way and the, 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 the tide of language says it the other way doesn't necessarily mean uh, the original form has become the correct form. So there's a lot of parameters in play. So if you don't know what we're talking about, there is um, a debate raging on the internet. And I mean, you know, there's always a debate raging on the internet, but this is one that has to do with the pronunciation of GIF, the graphic graphical interface format. format. Is that what it is? If not, someone will tell us. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Hit us up, correct us. It makes everyone feel good to make the dictionary feel dumb. Um, But the creator says GIF, and like the peanut butter, like the peanut butter, and a whole. I, there was actually, I feel like somebody did a survey, and the most common pronunciation is GIF, mm-hmm. not GIF, but there are GIF hardliners. 
Anyhow, so um, <laughs> it's not always cut and dried. Um, one way uh, we go about... <laughs> Uh, At the American Heritage Dictionary, I've been the pronunciation editor for over 20 years. And 20 years ago, one tactic involved using the telephone a lot. Uh, Nowadays, uh, we will use YouTube and uh, newspaper sites, uh, news clips, that sort of thing. There's a wealth of spoken information on the web. But in the old days, there was just a lot of detective work calling city halls, calling uh, pharmaceutical companies. That was a big one because we added so many generic drugs. <laughs> and you would call up pharmaceutical companies and pretend to either be a sales rep or uh, find the right person. You'd have to not say, hey, how do you pronounce such and such? You'd get them to say the word in context. So that drug you're working on that does this, and they'd go, oh, you know, sigaliptin or whatever. Right. Yes, thank you. Right. And you'd hang up. Yeah, that's something that's really interesting about collecting pronunciations is, you know, I mean, it mirrors the way that you collect the raw data for definitions. You're basically taking a sampling, but instead of writing, you're taking samplings of speech or samplings of audio. And that's something that's so amazing to me about pronunciation is if you ask someone, how do you pronounce this word? They almost always get it wrong. You you have have to to hear it in context. Or you have to ask them a question in a way where you don't say, how do you say, and you write down the word. It's like you're talking to them and you get the word in context. Like the Dictionary of American Regional English had this story called Arthur the Rat. And... (laughs) In the '60s, when they were going around the country, um, mm-hmm. they would record people reading the story, and the story included all kinds of vowel combinations and this and that, so they right. could figure out, they could listen to it and say, "Oh, this is how this is said. This is how this is said," without saying, "Do you say, you know, park or pack or whatever?" Right. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's interesting about that is that sometimes, especially, there will be people who insist that they say a word one way. And absolutely, for a phonologist, they say it a completely different way. Um, And oftentimes they can't even hear the difference. This is something that I sort of had to learn how to do when I started as a lexicographer. And our then pronunciation editor was like, oh, you're from Colorado. So you have caught caught merger and Mary, Mary, Mary merger, but you don't have pin pen merger. And I was like, I what 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 are. And so he said, oh, you know. Mary, Mary, Mary. And the way he said it, I was like, I know I'm hearing three different words, but I I can't replicate that. I can't replicate it. And not only that, with Mary, Mary, and Mary, there are two of, I forget which two there are. There are two of those words where I can't even hear the difference. Really? I just cannot. I, you could hyper, 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 you know, Mary, right. Mary, you know, that kind of thing. But right. in casual speech, there's two of them that I can't even ascertain a difference. Really? Yep. That they, makes me feel better. That merged. That makes me feel better then. Um, we watch, uh, nowadays with YouTube, it, it's very helpful, again, with the pharmaceutical field. Uh, videos. And if you heard earlier episodes, you know that Corey and I like to send each other <laughs> links to um, pharmaceutical uh, PR, which is amazing on so many levels. These are commercials oh, that you don't even see on TV. They're meant for sales reps, that kind of things. And they're bonkers. They are. They're really, there was one you said, I don't even remember what the medication was for, but it it looked like a parody of a 1980s um do you remember that show mr goodbody yeah no oh you was don't it remember local? no no it was a pbs kids show and oh. it was a, it was 
a guy who we're going to talk about PBS kids shows again. It was a guy in a leotard with uh, that was printed with um, the nervous system, the major vascular systems, the heart, the lungs. And he did this little thing about, you know, parts of the body and here's how your lungs work and here's what the heart is. And so anyway, it looked like a really bad 3D rendered parody of a Mr. Goodbody episode. There are a bunch of these that sometimes when I'm I was just sick of defining, I would, you know, I just sort of go through our chat history and I'd be like, I don't know what this one is, but I'm going to watch it for five minutes. And I'll have zone to go out. looking for Mr. Goodbody. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. It yeah. might be wrong. That's probably going to turn up some really terrible porn parody. I just made a terrible 70s reference that <laughs> went and, and it's OK. <laughs> Diane Keaton looking for Mr. Goodbar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Anyhow, anyway. But what about what about getting citations uh, from 50s and the 60s, for example, oh, before yeah. there was YouTube? Before there was YouTube. So um, as part of writing my book, I have a whole chapter on pronunciation. And one of the things I did was at Merriam-Webster, there there's a whole filing cabinet full of note cards of transcribed um, speech taken mostly from radio broadcasts. So at that point, the guy who did our uh, pronunciations would listen to radio broadcasts and he would write down in the International Phonetic Alphabet how different people would say things. And so I would go through these cards sometimes. So the one that I looked at the most was the word lingerie. And it was amazing because you it's sort of this weird historical progression of how pronunciation changes and you don't realize how quickly pronunciation can change so in the early 50s you would get these cards that were like uh you know bob you know wakoda from sheboygan says says landry in a interview with whoever um there was one card from walter cronkite which was amazing and i think walter cronkite said uh landry not lingerie but you can if you go through these cards and you can read the international phonetic alphabet you can see not just sort of that there's a little bit of regional variation but you can see how the whole progression of of the pronunciation itself emerges and evolves and what monstrous things we did to the word lingerie and that's one reason why that word has something like 15 or 16 pronunciations if you look it up in uh, dictionaries from especially from the 60s and 70s i know we edited it down from the third edition when working on the fourth but there's yeah. just all kinds of combinations yeah uh, i think the i think the uh third webster's third had 26 pronunciations for the, it the um and and what Corey alluded to is how when sounds flip they flip really quickly um, the, the, you know, given that english has been spoken for as many centuries as it has when a right when it when it when a change starts to occur it really moves fast in an earlier podcast i referred to how we track the shift of harris to harass yeah and that and the flip occurred in less than 20 25 years um it's it, so it's, it's it's interesting to see when you have this type of statistical uh, information yeah. uh, to 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 follow mm -hmm. so one of the other things that we do at merriam-webster and i think you guys do this too is um if you if our pronunciation editor gets stuck he does the office poll do you guys do office polls we did office polls yes yeah and uh so the office poll is uh it's bananas uh, the pronunciation editor goes around the office with a card with a word written on it and a clipboard, and they will ask, how do you say this word or read this sentence? And 
And this is a way generally to figure out which pronunciation is more common, which one should be listed first. At Merriam-Webster, I think the first pronunciation tends to be the most common. That might be changing with the online dictionary now. But so you go around and need ask things. And this is how I discovered that I mispronounce everything in the world. Ugh, I am the worst too. Yeah. So I have this great story. One time our pronunciation editor came by and he held a card out and I said, I don't know how to say this word. He said, that's okay. You know, just, just give it a shot. I said, nope, I've only ever seen it written down. I don't know how to say this word. He said, just try. So I looked at the word and I said, feng shui. (laughs) And that's what he did. He went... And then he wrote it down. He said, thanks. And he walked away. And I was like, but okay, but how am I supposed to say it? Because I've only ever seen it written. And I do lots of words like that where I've only ever seen them written down and I have no idea how to pronounce them. I I did that with the word, um, I think you say inchoate. Oh, you had, what, why were we using Encoate some time ago? You, you you were really having a field day with that. I oh, was, for your audiobook. For the audiobook. So I used the word Encoate in my book. And then I read the audiobook. And when I got to that word, I realized I don't know how to say it. And I couldn't, the director of the audiobook kept saying, it's Encoate. And I was like, Inchoate? Inchoate. In, 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 Inco, inco, what? Inco. I couldn't, I couldn't get my brain around it. So yeah, I'm a massive mispronouncer of everything. Don't trust anything that I say pronunciation-wise. Um, so to answer the larger question of how do you collect pronunciations, there's a variety of ways, uh, and it just de- it, it involves some detective work and listening mm-hmm. and research. So and special training because you have to be able to render these sounds accurately so you can so you can read them back. So you generally have to be able to, like, you have to know the international phonetic alphabet, and you have to know how, you know, B and P work, and how the flapped T works, and all of that. Uh, (laughs) We're laughing at the meme. (laughs) There was a a meme involving uh, a flap, uh, the flap, which is not a T sound, not a D sound, but it's the the, that sound you make in words like writer that come in between two vowels. That's Mm -hmm. actually a flap. It's not writer. It's not rider. It's writer, and that is a flap. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a we'll we'll post uh, that meme, which almost no one will get unless you have linguistic (laughs) training. But we laughed really hard. Uh, and so Corey's referred to the International Phonetic Alphabet, uh, which is something that we'll talk about and is very useful, but dictionaries in the North America don't use the International Phonetic Alphabet. Each publisher no. has their own phonemic system. Yeah. Um, the, the IPA, which is used in the, in the Oxford English Dictionary and other dictionaries of Europe, uh, is a phonetic alphabet. Each symbol has one and only one sound ascribed to it, Mm -hmm. whereas American dictionaries have phonemic alphabets, whereby um, they use a key so that um, the the, the word, uh, whether you say uh, for the word... for the word barks, if you say barks or backs, mm-hmm. depending on what part of the country you're from, right. you can go to that key and realize, oh, uh, that that symbol ties into how I say that word. Right. It's accent agnostic. Exactly. So yeah. for the word pot, P-O-T, which is, you know, uh, might be a guide word for the short O, you mm-hmm. know, in the Midwest, if you say pat, mm-hmm. like my family does, or um, <laughs> pot otherwise, right. uh, however you say that 
word is how you're going to say those words that use that symbol. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's more democratic that way because yeah. it, it, each symbol doesn't refer to one and only one possible sound. It refers to the sound you use in your um, inventory. Right. And, you know, honestly, North American dictionaries started showing pronunciation characters before the IPA was even a thing. I think North American dictionaries started showing pronunciations uh, back to the 1830s and 1840s, and the IPA wasn't around until when? The late 1880s. Yeah. So so it's history, and it's, you know, it's to be accent agnostic, and it's also just to be different. <laughs> yes. Uh, and each publishing company, you know, uh, or the traditional ones, Random House, American Heritage, Webster's New World, Merriam-Webster, all have a slightly different system, especially when it comes to the vowels. Yep. They, Sorry. Yeah, it, they're all proprietary <laughs> to each... Um, this is how we're all, this is how we prove that we're different companies. Here's a fun fact about vowels. Um, I have a phonetic vowel chart tattooed on my back. He does. I've seen it. Uh, Google around, you'll find it. It's fun. Yeah, I think the, someone did an article about it, right? Well, Carl Zimmer, who we're shouting out to once again, uh, <laughs> did, and not only did We he, do know other people besides Carl Zimmer, we swear. He used to write about scientific tattoos, and he collected them on a blog, and then he made a book out of it called Science Inc. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, he has a book of, um, and it's just photographs of scientific geeky tattoos. Mine is in there. Yeah. Uh, just uh, no, no faces, just a bunch of people's you know, backs or arms or legs or right. whatever. You know, you've got the, the the formula for caffeine or some other scientific thing. Um, right. And uh, there are two phonetic ones. Someone had, I think, a glottal stop tattooed on their fingers. And, oh, I've, wow. and I've got my uh, ball chart. Thereby proving that linguistics is indeed a hard science. It is. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> um, so each North American dictionary company uses a slightly different um, alphabet uh, system uh, most of the consonants tend to be the same, although how you represent some, uh, whether you use ligatures or just the individual letters, a ligature is that little tiny line mm -hmm. connecting. So like the sh sound of the word ship, uh, because it's one sound in the IPA, it looks like this elongated old timey S, mm -hmm. but uh, most American dictionaries either use an SH, or if you look at some, you'll see a little tiny line, and that's called a ligature, that connects the S and the H to indicate it's not suh, right. but it's one sound, right. shuh. So one question that we used to get at Merriam-Webster all the time about the, the uh, phonemic alphabet that we used was, why do we bother doing it? Because most people are using dictionaries online and online we have, you know, we can do a recording and we do have audio pronunciations for just about every headword and most of the inflections in the dictionary. So lots of people would say, well, I, you know, I'm not going to bother to learn to read that because who cares? But the thing is that oftentimes because of the amount of human power and time it takes to record those pronunciations, we probably only give one pronunciation at most two. And you just can't, you can't keep up with all of the possible pronunciations. And it is a misconception that is easily averted if one reads the front matter of your dictionary. <laughs> have you read front, have you read the opening parts of your dictionary? If not, you should. <laughs> You will find out so many questions you will have will be answered there. Um, RTFM, read the front matter. Yes. Uh, <laughs> in, in most cases, unless otherwise marked, 
all of the pronunciations that are shown at a headword are acceptable. The first one isn't necessarily more acceptable than the other. It might be more common, right? Uh, but that doesn't mean it's it, it, it's more acceptable. So if it, you know, if especially if you look like a, a word at like almond, almond, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. however you say it, pecan, pecan, uh, all of these, you'll you'll see a succession of pronunciations. Uh, they're all, if they're there at the headword, again, unless they're otherwise specially marked, uh, they are acceptable. And sometimes it requires a lengthy usage note. Uh, go check the American Heritage uh, Dictionary definition of often, for example, about mm. the difference, why some people say often, why some say often. They're both correct. Uh, <laughs> so if there's more explanation needed, there will be a note. But uh, you can use any of those pronunciations and you can try to be consistent, but yeah. we all know how consistency works. Yeah. How do you guys handle uh, the pronunciations that are considered non-standard? So like mischievous and nuclear? That's completely within a note. Um, really? Yeah. Go to ahdictionary.com, look up mischievous mm-hmm. or nuclear, and you will find fairly lengthy notes at both. Uh, we don't show mischievous at mischievous, but we talk about it in the note. And, uh, you know, nuclear, nuclear, uh, there's a lot to say. It's all in the note. It's in all of our notes in all of the dictionaries because everyone talks about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it nu- nuclear is more widespread than you'd think. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it it's widespread enough that it if it were a normal word, it would probably be considered common, but that right. pronunciation is so skunked. Uh, there are so many third grade teachers out there saying, don't use this. It's, 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 got, it's the irregardless <laughs> effect. As much as irregardless should be, quote unquote, a word, it won't because so many people whine about right. it. So too nuclear. Right. And nuclear is old. I mean, I found evidence of it back to the 1940s. Which is kind of crazy. So at, at Merriam-Webster, we do the we offer nuclear and mischievous. And see, I have to think really hard. Which is the one that's wrong? Because it's probably the one I say. Um, they're in the pronunciation block itself, but they're set off with an obelis, which is a division sign, like an old timey division sign, which you know is a great it's great shorthand. But again, nobody knows what the obelis is for, and the people who actually read the pronunciations uh, are people who don't want to see those pronunciations listed because they think they're wrong. So I read about something about the division sign online, which blew my mind, is that that symbol, uh-huh. the two dots just are placeholder representatives for the denominator and the numerator. <gasps> oh, my God. It's the fraction line with a dot above and a dot oh my- below. Oh. Doesn't that blow your mind? That's amazing. I can't believe I, I just didn't know that. I just learned that within the last year. Yeah. Wow. See, so, we're, we're word people. This is why we don't know anything about things like that. Yeah. The company has one person who does uh, pronunciations because yeah. uh, it requires training. When I when I was hired in, I was hired in in part because I had just had a slew of phonetics and phonology courses mm. at the University of Chicago. And the person who was currently doing it wanted to pass it off to someone else. <laughs> I feel like that's how a lot of people get involved in specialty dictionary work. Like I'm, this guy's been doing it for 55 years and he wants to retire and have a real life. So now it's your job. I don't actually do phonology because I don't have any training in it, but I do read IPA. So I actually am a person who ends up proofreading pronunciation fields a lot, which is really um, exhausting because you think, you know, I mean, I, you know, I live and breathe and have my being within dictionaries. And I still, anytime a proofreading project comes up and they're like, all right, 
<laughs> Corey, you get to do etymologies and pronunciations. I still have to go back to the key and go, oh, okay, the A with the two, the, the diuresis A is what again? I don't remember if that's ah or ah or oh. Yep. Uh, and, you know, error creeps in. Uh, a, someone just wrote to us, uh, someone from Germany, I believe his name is Karsten, if you're out there, thank you. Uh, <laughs> notice that uh, in the word sphere, we uh, showed I brev R instead of I circumflex R. And I went back and looked at older uh, editions, and it turns out that turned out to be a keyboarding error in the third edition back in the 80s. Wow. Uh, so atmosphere and all other kinds of spheres had the I circumflex R, and the word sphere itself had I brev R, which is something almost no one would notice. Um, <laughs> someone did, and uh, they were right. It was nice to get a letter saying, I think you have an error, and it actually was an error. So uh, we like to correct our errors when there are actual errors. For more information about phonology, um, check out my book, Is English Changing? Yeah, there's a whole chapter on phonology. And it's written in a way that is super understandable, I yeah, hope. Yeah, it is. No, I'll vouch for that. It's super understandable. Well, thank you. Yeah. Pronunciations, just like everything else in a dictionary, change constantly. And so we're trying to do our best to keep up with them. Yep. Also, I've found out it's pronounced... Uh, feng shui, mm -hmm. not feng shui. I have to look this up afterwards because I think it's also pronounced diuresis, but I could be wrong. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for pronunciation. <laughs> Thank you. This has been Steve. This is Corey. Have a great day. <laughs> Bye.